Okay, here we go. Yet again, this is Man Up, the men's mental health podcast. My name is Andy Richardson and sitting opposite me is the awesome Tommy Danqua. Hello, hello, hello. How are you? Not bad. And sorry, I have to mention yet again, we are uh, from talking from LCCM, the London College of Creative Media. Wee, I got it right. Nailed it. Got it right first time. time. So thank well you very, thank you very, 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 very much to them. Um, and the other thing we should mention is this. Uh, this is our a bit of an anniversary. This is our tenth podcast. We're into wow, double figures. Look at that. Which shows it wasn't just a one-off or one and a few. There is a bit of a you know bit of a snowball exactly. effect. Exactly. In the words of uh, Michael Jackson. And they said it wouldn't last. <laughs> uh, okay, moving swiftly on. <laughs> so, so anyway, in time on time on a tradition, how, how have you been, sir? Very, very well, thank you. Um, very tired. I've uh, been a very busy boy. Um, so yesterday and today, I've just completed a two-day mental health first aid course. Wow, I know. So, t- so, yep. Tell well, us, which what, basically what I... means I'm now the uh, law and order in the world's leading authority on all things mental health, Andy. Okay, so, and back in the real world. Okay, but, okay. <laughs> so, back in the real world, it was um, it's a course designed to um, just offer you know to give you confidence uh, to provide you know the initial help for a person experiencing mental health issues. Yep. Um, just to help them, how would I, how would I describe it? You don't know, do you? No, I've got no <laughs> idea. <laughs> you so just spent two, two days doing that bloody course. You were even reading off a bit of paper. <laughs> you don't even know. God, it must have been. <laughs> to be honest with you, my, my brain is frazzled. It's, it's right, actually okay. quite an intense two days. I right. mean, I've literally had, a, we did exercises where, you know, they sort of, you know, simulate or give you an idea of what it's like to, be schizophrenic where you're having oh, a conversation you've got people whispering in your ear oh my gosh you know and you're sort of do so it's, it's been full on but it's been really good and i just feel quite confident now that um i can i'm more alert of the warning signs you know i can offer like the first stages of yep. sorts of support and i would know what to do or i'm in the process of learning better yeah how to deal with it and how to get someone from immediate harm to maybe a safe place so yeah really insightful very full on like i said if i do mumble a bit or i go for the tangent it's because my brain is well and truly pickled right but it's yeah it's really really good i would definitely recommend it i did that with a st john's ambulance yeah and ladies and gentlemen let me just say um that basically tommy well actually tommy's wife paid for this so let's get this in into perspective they paid to do a course um, to learn how to help other people. So, I mean, that if anything needs it, I'm going to do that's That's me clapping. That's, clapping. that's podcast clap. There you go. So, 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 I mean, yeah, what a wonderful thing to do. Do you know, an amazing say. gift. Yeah, my wife bought it for me for Christmas. So, uh, Marilyn, baby, I love you. Thank you very much. Yeah. Um, yeah, and just really good. Yeah. But can I just say something as well before we go on? Yep. Talking about men's mental health and whatnot. Um, on the course, there were 14 people. Out of that 14 people, three of us were men. All right. And out of the three, only two of us had self-funded. Right. The other gentleman was paid for by his company. And right. it was a construction company. So it goes to show. Which again, you know, yeah. 
is yeah this this podcast is very much needed basically massively. That's, that's what you're saying massively yeah yeah yeah, yeah. well we, we would say that though wouldn't we really it's yeah. it's an essential in your life people <laughs> So you haven't, um, I'll have to, are you going to do it? Are you going to do I'm it? I'm going to ask you. Yeah. Okay, thank you. Okay, so bit... Andy, I mean, you're sitting there in the comfiest chair in the studio, <clears throat> even though you've got a guest. Uh, how, how have you been, mate? How have you been? Well, well, I, I now I'm going to, um, I had a little bit of think about this, because when we, when we ask each other how we feel, we always say, oh, I've been great. Yeah, yeah great. And and that is good. And I've got a really nice. Very not, British of us. Yes. It? And I've got a yeah. nice story to tell, but I'm going to caveat that with something else um so over the weekend so the whole of january i only worked one day and all of a sudden i've got all these jobs coming i'm a cameraman i don't know if any of you know that but um all these jobs came in and i did a couple of jobs where i uh, was working flat out the whole day and the only thing they had to 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 feed me was this um food that i don't normally eat i've got digestive problems as well and so then I had a gig on Sunday and um, I nearly, I was on the verge. I didn't, I didn't have a panic attack uh, while I was playing, um, but I had a real, um, just a real t terrible anxious moment that, you know, and I don't know if anyone who suffers from anxiety knows that, you know, no, no matter how uh, upward a path you're on, if you get that, if you, if you feel like, you know, I'm back on track and then suddenly you get this anxiety attack, it really makes you feel shit because you think, man, I haven't lost it. You know, I haven't got that thing off, off my shoulder yet. And that's how, I, that's how I felt at the weekend. But, I mean, I'm, I try and be optimistic and I'm definitely heading in the right path. You know, the anxious days are much, much, much less through all the stuff that I'm doing at the moment. Um, this helps a lot as well. But... Um, I just thought I'd share that with you know with, with everyone that um, yeah I had a shit day on on Sunday. Um, on the flip side, on the, on the good the good thing, um, I saw this piece on on uh, on the news about this lady from Japan called Marie Kondo. Don't know if you've heard of her. Never heard of her. Well, she she um, she has got a, a documentary on Netflix, and she's quite well sort of renowned now. Um, she what she does is. Um, she goes to people's offices and she looks at the, everything and she gets and she says, she asks the question basically, does that thing bring you joy? So uh, if you've got like a lot of clutter or, you know, in your house, does it bring you joy? If it doesn't, then get rid of it, you know? Is she a minimalist? Is that where we're going with this one? Well, my answer to anyone who says, are you a minimalist is... Uh, <laughs> that's me being a minimalist <laughs> sorry that was a terrible joke anyway oh my god <laughs> sorry anyway um and and so i thought i'd inspire by her i thought what i'll do is so my room is well used to be this terrible clutter i go in there and it would just make me feel like oh god my bedroom you know and um so i realized i had about about seven or eight hundred cds all collecting dust and i don't have See, I don't even have a CD player anymore. They've all got great memories. Yeah. But I thought, do you know what? 
Uh, well, a mate of mine has op just opened a rec record shop. It's uh, Shax's Stacks of Wax, everyone, if you want to get down there. Can I shameless plug? What was that mate say again? Uh, Shax in Kingston, Shax's Stacks of Wax. And because and we're not the BBC, we can plug what the hell we like. Exactly, do what we want, mate. Yeah. So, I gave, so I gave him about three or 400 CDs. I said, look, you, you, you know, he did offer me some. I thought, no, no, you just take them, take them. There's some bad ones in there, but there's some good ones. And then the rest of them, I, uh, there's a thing called Music Magpie, and I scanned them. And I got about 150 quid for about 300. I mean, you know, I spent, must have spent like about six or seven grand on them, but, uh, you know, get a little bit of money for them. And, um, and all that clutter from my room has gone. Uh, I've moved like all the books to one area and it's, it's lovely. I've got like a bit of space and nice. it does make you feel he hell of a lot better. So, yeah. so I would suggest anyone to do that. Right. Can you say who was the uh, was the documentary again? Who is what's her name? Well, her name's Marie Kondo. Lovely, uh, Marilyn. Are you listening to this, darling? Because my wife is an hoarder. Oh right, hoarder. <laughs> <laughs> and she loves a Netflix documentary, mate. Right. Okay. Watch it. Watch it. Anyway. So um, I was going to ask you about your boxing. How's that going? How's so 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 Tommy's doing this. Um, uh, we've mentioned it before, but he's doing this white collar boxing thing. He's doing um, three rounds, is it? Three rounds, three two minute rounds of savage, pure brutality. Yeah. Um, do you know what? I, I'm getting fitter. I'm feeling stronger. I'm actually feeling quite confident. I had a real, a right. few, I think last week had a real wobble. We uh, did our first sparring session. I took a few too many punches in the face. Right. And I was just like, fuck, man. Yeah. <laughs> what the hell am I doing? But um, yeah, the training's been going really well. Been working hard, and um, yeah, I'm quite excited. Uh, tables all booked. Your ringside, as you know. Oh, good. Yeah. So yeah. We, yeah so it's going to be good. Um, just giving pages up on our um, Go on. on our Instagram. Tell everyone the the link. So the link is obviously on Instagram. It will be the man up underscore men's mental health and you'll see the link in the bio there so please feel free to click on that and donate all your hard-earned monies to a great cause yeah and and do you know who you're fighting yet it doesn't matter mate it, it, anyone can get it anyone can get it so confidence I, 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 I take it it's, it's going to be weight sort of you know yeah yeah as, so, as so you're not going to get like it's, you know like Dolph Ludgren <laughs> sort of boom you know, listen, no. Dolph can get it as well, mate. I'm, I'm trained, I'm prepped, and I'm ready. <laughs> That's going to bite me. That's going to really come back and bite me in the ass, isn't it? <laughs> what was that you were saying, Tommy? <laughs> Those were dicky birds floating around my head, by the way. <laughs> right. So, should we get on with this week's podcast then? I guess is that any any, any other business? Any any other thing? I think that's it. I think yeah. we're good. Oh, um, and by the way, I do have one more thing, um, but I want to do. You know, sometimes at the end, I do the little exercise thing. Yes, I've got a little exercise. Okay, well, we look forward <laughs> to that. Again. <laughs> but anyway, so 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 this week we um this so for our tenth podcast, we've actually got someone who knows what they're talking about. <laughs> When it comes to mental health, um, a real life professional. A real life professional. Now, I mean, mental health has been in the news quite a well. Actually, I have to say, I can't keep up with the amount of mental health things there are in the news. I mean, this week we just had um, the health secretary Matt Hancock uh, talking about um, how social media affects people because that girl committed suicide. Yeah. You know, it's, it's just yeah. on. You know, there's just so much. Um, at the end of the of last year. Um, we had a, a big uh, announcement by the government um, 
uh, yeah, I well, I'm gonna I'm gonna let Richard talk talk about this because uh, just giving away our guest. Oh yeah, I've just given away. That's his a really name. good announcement. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mate. look at that. But anyway, um, I'm gonna let him because 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 he knows much more about it than me. Um, but um, suffice to say, oh, and and listeners, um, our guest who is Richard Walsh, who is the Associate Director for Advocacy and Community Services for Rethink Mental Illness. Did I get that right? I got that right? I, I, I think you got that right. Yeah. Okay, great, great. Um, he, he um, just to caveat this, um, he, he's, he's also um, a good friend of mine. So if I do seem a bit over familiar with him, it's because <laughs> I know him. I won't be like this with any other charity people, but I know the fella. So yeah, okay. So You're still scaring us So I am a friend of his. So anyway, um, so so yes. So welcome to the podcast, mate. Thank you both. Thank you, and, and thank you for having me and, and for that wonderful introduction. I, I I'm not sure knowing Andy that well, him being described as over familiar, will be a surprise to anybody who knows him, <laughs> but. I think I'm more concerned that you've described me as knowing what I'm talking about, so I'm oh. going to be set up to fail here, no doubt. Oh gosh! Well, we, we we've got every faith in you. Um, so so okay then. Well, why don't you tell us uh, what Rethink Mental Illness are all about then? So so Rethink Mental Illness started by carers uh, and individuals that were either affected by mental illness or carers of people that were impacted by mental illness. And I suppose it's it's kind of grown, it's a national organisation working across the UK, mostly in England, but we have some partnerships as part of Mental Health UK, which is another organisation which covers Scotland, Ireland and Wales. But Rethink Mental Illness, I suppose, are, are, are kind of split into two main elements. One is service delivery, so supporting people in the community that are affected by mental illness or providing accommodation or crisis homes registered homes for people that are severely affected by mental illness that need support on a daily basis, as well as community services supporting people in their own homes and in the community, advocacy services which are provided in mental health hospitals as well as in the community. And then the other big part of what we do is, is I guess, campaigning and policy and influencing. Uh, and the, the mental health, that review you mentioned um, late last year, was part of the, the campaigning we'd done to... I guess to modernise the Mental Health Act, let's face it, it's completely out of date. It's not fit for purpose. Um, it doesn't respect the needs of people and it it doesn't really meet the needs of the thousands of people, including men, that are affected by mental health and mental illness. Um, so that was a, a huge, a huge piece of work for us. And, and, you know, we were kind of pleased that the government were, were prepared to issue the review and have quite quickly accepted a two or three of the recommendations and it's currently in parliament where the other recommendations are being debated so um it's been quite a big year and I, I hate to describe mental health as a growth area because let's face it it's not the kind of growth anybody wants but yeah. but I think we all recognize that it's an increasing issue affecting more and more people whether we know all of those people I think is probably not quite known completely and if you think about the amount of people that acknowledge it and talk about it you can pretty much double that figure and then when it comes to men I think that figure is even greater and and I think this is why I've got the utmost respect for what you guys are doing because I, I think it is an issue particularly for men because men don't want to talk always men aren't encouraged to talk about their feelings and emotions so the fact that this is kind of reaching out to to men in particular I think is a much needed idea to be honest so congrats and well done Thank you. Particularly older men, I, I think, actually. I think older men 
there is a I think I think the young the younger sort of millennials are, are quite happy to talk about their their sort of mental illness but older men you know I don't I don't there's there's a couple of older men that are very dear to me that I know have got mental health problems but they would never admit it do you, never... do you mean me when you say older men I just need to clarify what what age bracket we're talking here is that <laughs> is, uh, okay so I'm talking about older than us um been, so old so old then so if they're older than us then 27 then blo- <laughs> yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, amazing so obviously the work that you you know uh, your charity does is amazing um biggest in the uk biggest provider of mental health services in, in the, the UK, uk and the voluntary sector absolutely now without your work i mean obviously it's so important you, you yourselves and obviously other charities as well the work they're doing Without you, the NHS is really struggling. You know, I mean, you've been lobbying and campaigning for change. Mm-hmm. Do you think our you know, system is failing us? Yeah, massively. And I, I think not only is it, is it failing the thousands and tens of thousands of people out there that are affected by mental illness, I think it's failing the community as a whole and I think society as a whole. I think if you, if you think about the impact that it can have on an individual in terms of the ability to work, to maintain friendships and relationships with family. It's not just about your mental health. There's quite a lot of research that goes on now that suggests that your physical health will suffer. People with mental health needs don't necessarily get the recognition that's in line with physical health recognition, but your physical health suffers as a result. And in a counter way, the more you can improve your physical health, it's shown to have an impact on your mental health. So. It's a much bigger issue than a mental health need. This is, this is talking about people that don't want to go out, don't maintain relationships, relationships that break down potentially because of that issue. And, and I think, again, if we can encourage more men to recognise that and to talk about it, we're doing a massive service to the whole of society, not just individuals. So, again... I'm, I'm not going to keep praising you two. I'm sure you'd love me. Now keep it go- coming, man. We, yeah. we, we, we're good with that. I'm good with that. Good with that. You good with that, Andy? I'm fine with that. I'm yeah. fine with that. Yeah. <laughs> Carry on, mate. I, I can see you're, you're quite comfortable with the idea of me bigging you both up, which is all good for me. Man up. Big up and man up. Exactly. Um, so, so what... Um, because I have I have to be honest, um, rethink mental illness for me was 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 a was a um, an organisation not directly on my radar. I mean, I mm. I, I I heard. A, you know, obviously I know about mind and Samaritans and people like that. How do people sort of come and come and find you? Do, or do you sort of go and search for them? How does that, how does that work? I suppose th- what we're probably more known for, uh, I suppose in comparison to an organisation like mind, is, is the service delivery. So the reality is that unless you come into contact with services or you're referred to a service that we offer, you possibly wouldn't know about that. But equally we've kind of grown the campaigning and policy element to try and influence government and decision makers and policy around mental health. And I, I think, you know, I think it's fair to say that Mind is probably the biggest organisation that everyone would recognise. Mm. They've got a good brand. They've done a lot of, a, a lot of awful, awfully good work. But I suppose, as I mentioned earlier, it, this, is a, this is an area that's growing. And I think there is a space for more organisations and particularly local organisations to to support people in their own homes. When you say service delivery for anyone who's listening that doesn't yeah. understand that, can you tell us a bit more? Yeah, so, so apologies. I, I guess this is parlance for work and you get used to using <laughs> these terms and you, you forget that sometimes people don't necessarily understand. So, yeah, fair, fair point. Um, I guess service delivery is really about a service that's there to support somebody 
with a mental health need. So it's basically an organisation or a service in a local area that's provided to support people with a mental health need in that area. And that really depends on what local authorities or the NHS decide to fund. And of course, this is one of the big problems that the NHS haven't resourced enough support for people with mental health needs. And where they do, it's often commissioned to the voluntary sector. And what we see as an organisation from government, local authorities and NHS trusts is less and less money to meet a growing need. So, of course, it's a problem for any provider of support because you're asked to do more for less. And we see this year on year as an organisation. And this is something that absolutely needs to change. I mean, fortunately, I don't know whether you guys have heard about the recent NHS long-term plan, but for me, that's very much a key piece of work and a key commitment from government and NHS to spend a considerable amount more money on mental health support and to bring it on a level with physical health. You know, if you, if you break your leg, you have a sprain, a dislocation, you go to hospital, you get the support you need. If you have a mental health need, you can't go to work, you can't leave the house, you're stumped. And I mean, from my own experience of trying to access mental health support, depending on where you live, you can wait from anywhere from six up to six weeks, up to three months. And the NHS still over only offer one type of therapy. And that's low level kind of CBT. CBT and that's yeah. the, the standard approach from the NHS. Unless you're so severely unwell that you need to go into some kind of crisis home or even an NHS hospital under a mental health section. And there's this huge gap in between where what if you're that unwell that you need support to get out of the house, to get back to work, to engage with family and friends, but you're not so unwell that you're a danger to yourself or others. And I think this is a huge gulf in the middle where people, certainly from my experience, personal experience, but seeing it at work, it is a massive, a massive gap. Yeah, more more bespoke sort of um, therapy, you know, psychotherapy mm -hmm. and other things, you know, PTSD therapy, not just that low level CBT thing, which I've experienced through the NHS, which which um, which I didn't find very effective, yeah. if, I, if I'm honest. I mean, <clears throat> when it comes to the government, people that know me and that they know that I'm a bit of a cynic when it comes to, to, to the, the, the present lot that are in there at the moment. But do you think that they, um, do you think they're being sort of forced to, to act um, because they're finally waking up that it's financially really um, taken a, you know, effect because it does, you know, I think someone said it was 50% of all sickness uh, from, from, from work is, is yeah. down to mental, mental, mental illness. Yeah, yeah. Mental yeah. illness. And do you think that's finally doing it? Or do you think that people like yourselves lobbying and, and, you know, it becoming a sort of cultural thing is the reason why they're changing? I, I think it's probably a bit of, bit of both and a bit of everything. I think there's no doubt that the government are realising the impact it has on the, the national economy, if you will, in terms of loss, of loss of earnings, people not being able to work. So that's definitely an issue. But I think there's a, there's a couple of other factors, one of which you pointed out, which is there's an awful lot of lobbying and campaigning going on. People locally with their MPs in terms of the lack of support, complaints to NHSs about the lack of support, um, but also organisations like Rethink Mental Illness campaigning hard with the government and alongside the government to change the system to make it fit for purpose. But also what's interesting for me is that more and more private companies are recognising the impact on their workforce 
and their outputs because people can't go to work. And the more it's recognized and talked about, the more companies understand the impact on them. And now they're starting to invest in, as, as Tommy alluded to with his mental health first aid course, mm. mental health first aid is in the workplace. So I think the government have kind of been forced to act and, and yeah. possibly shamed in a way, if I'm honest. And rightly so, let's face it, rightly so. Yeah, I mean, we've definitely seen a rise in, um, you know, companies that, you know, are investing in wellness, you know, for, like you said, for their individual and stuff like that. And also yourselves, like, because we've now become uh, rethink mental health campaigners. So, you know, Andy and I, we're, you know, we're lobbying along with you, mate. So, you know, Well, if, if I'd have known, Tommy, I'd have bought you badges and lanyards and the whole the whole five yards, but maybe next time I'll... <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You didn't bring yeah. us anything. Oh, well, I didn't even know I was your one. your mate. Uh, 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 yeah, right, I'm going to take back the water that I brought you. <laughs> that can stay with me. We'll keep that handy. <laughs> so, so, so what sort of people um, c c come and see you? Is it quite, quite across the spectrum? Um, you know, do you, do, you, do, you, do you sort of low-level help... Um, down, you know, to chronic help, that sort of thing? I think, again, we, we, one, of, one of our big services is, is our advice line, and that, that's open to anyone. And that can be something from what support can I get at home if, I, if I'm suffering from depression, anxiety, panic attacks. That's a national service, okay? So that's available to anyone. The other services are really dependent on what that local area and NHS trust commission. So obviously, depending on what funding we get, dictates what we deliver in each area so it it very much varies from area to area but it can go from high level support in in a crisis home people need some kind of 24-hour care and support in a home because they can't live at their on their own independently at that time all the way down to housing support all the way through to community support in terms of employment so people who are struggling to get back into employment or find employment because of their mental health needs and then our advocacy services, which yeah, advocacy is a strange term and it brings up all connotations yeah. around legal advice. But essentially, advocacy is enshrined in various bits of legislation, including the Mental Health Act. So that, for example, for mental health advocacy, where people are sectioned, i.e. They're, they're so unwell and a risk to themselves or others that they need to be put into hospital, mental health unit for a, an amount of time, what they're also eligible for is an independent person, an advocate, to come in and give them advice about what they're entitled to, how they can appeal their section, how they can ask around medication. So it's a legal requirement, but one of the things that we're campaigning for with the Mental Health Act review is for advocacy to be available for more people beyond those just in hospital under section. Because what we see as an organisation is lots of people who are, are put into hospital as what we call informal patients, so they admit themselves they consent to being treated but not under section <clears throat> excuse me so they can leave at any point in time these are people that are quite unwell obviously and 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 aren't necessarily in a good place at that time but rely on the doctors that are treating them to tell them about what's possible how to appeal appeal your your conditions what medication you might need the the idea being that it's a kind of a, a safety net i suppose and a a kind of the fact that you get somebody that's not part of your treatment team, I guess. Because the reality for people in those situations is they're so unwell that they can become quite mistrustful of the people that are, are there to support them and treat them. And, and understandably, partly because of their own mental illness, but also if somebody's telling you you can't leave the hospital, 
it's quite difficult to take on board where you may want to go home. So the legislation's there to protect those people, give them somebody independent that can come in, support them, go and visit them, give them advice about what they can do, what they're eligible for, and basically give them an independent, I guess, support role in some ways. That's probably confused you even more than when we started, but there you go. It, it, it sounds fab. Well, that's all I listen back to this. <laughs> we take that in because that's a lot of information to take. That is, yeah. that is a lot of information. So I mean, obviously, I'm interested to, to know how it all started. I mean, how how did it, when when how long have you been going for, and how did it actually start? Reefing, do you know? It, yeah, I, God, I should know, shouldn't I? Yeah, I, I, I'll be shot or sacked when I go back to work tomorrow if I don't. Know. Can you imagine? Yeah, don't let the, don't let the side down. The, the organisation started started as, as the National Schizophrenia Fellowship. Wow. And it was, it was basically started by um, a, a carer of an individual who, who basically started realising that there wasn't enough mental health support out there or not enough support for, for their cared for person, their loved one. Uh, and, and they started up, as lots of charities do, it, it was individuals that, that start these things. They realise there's a need, they realise there's a gap. And they kind of start the process from there. And it's kind of grown from being very much a carers-led organisation and members' organisation. Sorry, when was that? When when did it start? Now you are going to test me. Oh, and sorry, now I, yeah, I, I am going to get so, shot. Do you notice sorry. how I avoided that question you, Oh, carefully? sorry, I know. Yeah. Oh, sorry. I, we, we, I'm we, not sure how editing works in this process. Yeah. but um, It started in 1997. Thank you. <laughs> Go on. <laughs> so you were saying so it, it's it's kind of grown from there really in terms of um a, a, an organization led by individuals and, and and carers of individuals to become you know a, a huge organization employing over 600 people that both campaigns as i say and, and tries to lobby government but uses the stories of individuals that we support and they're cared for and the carers to fuel the campaigns. And for us, that's that's what we really want to kind of maximise. How do we support people on a day-to-day basis but use their stories to show government, policymakers, local authorities and NHS trusts and bodies that this is a huge need and this is the impact we can have and other organisations can have if we're funded properly. And, and you know, I, I hate to talk about money, but the reality is that it needs money. It needs money to support people because at the minute there isn't enough money, there isn't enough support, and people are suffering, aren't they? Yeah. I mean, yeah, exactly that. And I mean, obviously, a lot of your work is done through um, you do a lot of fundraising, don't you? Yeah, and whatnot. So, you want to tell us a bit about the fundraising aspects of it? Yeah, we. So, the fundraising, I guess, is split into two main parts. One is we we kind of bid for work, I suppose, and uh, from local authorities and NHS trust. So they they commission a service, i.e. they fund a service, put it out to, to what we call tender, and any voluntary sector organisation can bid for that work. Um, so it's quite a competitive process, and as you can imagine, there's lots of organisations that, that submit bids to try and, you know, fulfil that obligation. But the other fundraising element, I suppose, is, is about individual donors. It's about funds and grants, like the National Lottery, um, that offer pots of money to deliver certain projects. And again, what our fundraising team do is focus on projects that we recognise are needed based, again, on people's stories, try and match those with donors and funds that are available, such as the big lottery, and then, again, submit proposals based on that funding. What that does for us and where that's really advantageous is that you're not reacting to a commissioning process or what the NHS or local authority 
can afford and want a commission, it gives us the chance to be a bit more innovative and I guess and fill gaps that we've seen are needed but the NHS and local authority perhaps haven't yet recognized because of course as as we know as 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 men that have I guess have, have suffered in the past and had our own struggles we know that there's kind of gaps out there and it's it's often the way that governments local authorities NHSs take a little bit of time to catch up to well what's needed how do we get the money and how do we pay for it whereas with funds and grants we can recognize the gaps and the needs plug those gaps provide a service and then show the impact it makes not just for the individuals but for families for their employers for everybody around them and and this is what i guess any charity worth its salt and certainly what we do is to try and evidence well what impact can we make what are the outcomes for people if we get this right and again i think that's what we're trying to to talk to government about if you do this if you provide this service it has huge benefits for the whole community, for that society, not just for the individual. This is massively beneficial if and when you get it right. We're just trying to push them over a line a little bit, I guess. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad you mentioned, you know, the fact that we, all of us have had personal experience because um, if you don't mind, I'm going to, because Richard, not only is he, an, is he an expert in mental health because he works for a mental health um, organization and, and and that, he's had p personal experience of, of mental health problems. And, and I think that brings us sort of, unique perspective to, to to what he does can you tell us a little bit a little bit about that if you don't mind no not at all um gosh i've been the wrong place wouldn't i if i wasn't prepared to talk about my own struggles and my own problems <laughs> i did say this to tommy earlier i said i'm going to ask him about i hope and you said what did you say I to me what you no, does his work now he does his work now and i thought no. and I, I said they, his work have paid has paid for his <laughs> yeah. counseling and stuff yeah. you know i mean if they can't support it, yeah. him you know yeah. no it's it, of course it's fine and and i think for me it's really important to to recognize these things and not just for myself but i think when you do it it opens up the door for other people to talk about these things and i think we all have an obligation to yeah, yeah. to share these stories in some ways because it helps other people do the same and again that's why why i applaud what you're doing here but i, I guess my own my own problem started I, I i was in i was in i guess quite an unhappy marriage for a long time we had kids i think we both recognized albeit on the quiet that things weren't working and i i really struggled to come to terms with that and, and to kind of address the problems that i i felt i was facing and and of course didn't want to split up a family i think my my ex-wife you know felt very much the same but in time on a tradition of being English, we didn't talk about it. Um, and so I, I struggled for a long time. Uh, and as the marriage was coming to an end and we kind of finally decided that things weren't gonna work out, it kind of all fell out really. And I, I kind of went from feeling slightly anxious all the way through to severe depression and anxiety. I didn't wanna leave the house, I couldn't work, I didn't wanna talk to anybody, I was just in, a, a rut I guess and, and a hole I suppose and and it took me an awful long time and and I'll be honest many many years to to get myself in a better place I, I mean I sought help from from the NHS and of course as mentioned I was offered CBT which you know it, it works for some people and I'm not going to knock it for because for lots of people out there it's it's really effective but I, I, I distinctly remember and, and I hope this isn't going to shock you I distinctly remember one situation where I, I've I felt that CBT wasn't really going to work for me. I'd tried it before. I'd, I got referred back to CBT. And at that point, I got so bad that I was, you know, genuinely thinking about, 
you know, ending things, you know, I, would, I got to the point where I was like, well, you know, it's just not worth living anymore. You know, this is it. Uh, and I remember going to see, see my doctor and she referred me back to the, the therapist that was, I guess, triaging in terms of well, what support do you need, which was ironic because there was only one form of support, which, you know, the irony wasn't lost on me at the time. But I remember talking about these feelings and these suicidal thoughts and she, she basically just pushed me to the point where she actually queried whether I'd actually made plans. And she said, well, unless you've made plans and you've really thought about how you're going to do this, then there's not much more we can do. And it, it was a huge eye-opener for me that, again, it was either CBT or nothing, unless I was literally going to make plans, take action, and actually end my life. And it was... Or, or you had loads of money and you you could yeah you, you could pay for it yeah you know which a lot, a lot of us don't have so. yeah I, I mean it 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 was a huge a huge eye opener for me not just for my own situation but I guess for the wider the wider you know environment and 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 people out there um, and I'd already I'd already always worked in the voluntary sector you know I've I've kind of been a 20-year veteran of the voluntary sector in various forms and very passionate about advocacy and community support for people to empower them, to give them a sense of independence back and a life where they can feel they're part of decisions that are made about them. So we were talking about people with learning disabilities, autism, you know, very much passionate about giving people a voice, you know, making sure they were heard when doctors, social workers were making decisions about them. But the turning point around that time for me was that I wanted to use that experience in the sector and go and work for a mental health charity. It was kind of my personal experience, a recognition of the, the situation out there and the lack of support was like, it was like a, a, an eye opener. I was like, wow, I know where I need to go. I know where my career is now heading. Unfortunately, I, I, I ended up at an organisation that I, I love, I, I'm really passionate about. But I guess my problems didn't end, you know, I, you know, we, with all like a really happy ending to a story. But I suppose I, whilst I was better, I still wasn't completely well. I recognised that there was still some low-level depression and anxiety. There was days where I didn't want to leave the house. And unfortunately, I worked for an organisation that was both understanding of that, but also happy to support me to, to go and undertake some therapy because the waiting list by that point for CBT was 12 weeks. I couldn't get out of the house and work were prepared to fund a number of therapy sessions for me. And I, I kind of funded a few myself and it was, a, it was a huge turning point for me. It wasn't just low level therapy. This was, I'd realized that for me, there was some deep seated issues that I'd probably never addressed or never talked about. And that had ha had an impact on me my whole adult life without me ever realizing. And it had affected my, my relationship with my ex-wife and, and, and just to say, that's a relationship that I'm really proud of now. It's, you know, it's a really positive relationship. We both focus on the kids, both realise that it wasn't a good thing. So I just want to say that in case this sounds like a terrible sob story for people out there. And if my mum's listening, obviously, you know, I'm going to need to talk to you about this later, obviously. But it, it, was, it, it, it was a huge kind of turning point for me that, that actually that I worked for an organisation that would support me through that. And you would hope that, right? There are, there are mental health organisations supporting other people. So you would hope they support their own workforce when they're having those problems. Course, and, and it's just made me more passionate to carry on doing what I'm doing.
absolutely amazing Ama- amazing how how you know we hear a lot of this how people use the lows to to sort of you know make big changes in their life and, and actually use it as a pivot to to go on to sort of better it's things like as well music, isn't it yeah 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 i think you said like you know anxiety is one of the best things that ever happened to you you know it you, is it, you, you've used it and like you know here we are 10 podcasts later exactly exactly so 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 i was going to ask you what um what would your ideal setup be for this country in in terms of you know apart from loads and loads of money for mental health what how would you like to see the, the setup is that quite i don't know if that's quite a difficult question but you know what 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 would you what would you like to see as a sort of major change you know in in the way we run things and and you know what would be what would be what would be a great thing for 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 this country in terms of like the sort of infrastructure god that's the million dollar question isn't it and i'm i'm going to try and answer this with a million dollar answer and probably come up with 3 pound 54 but we'll let's give it a go um uh, I suppose that mental health is seen on a par with physical health. So you break your leg, you go to A&E, you get support. If you get depression or anxiety, you go to A&E, you get support. That would be my ultimate goal, I suppose, so that people in the NHS, but also as a society, recognise mental health on being as impactful on people's lives as physical health. You know, you break your leg, you struggle to get to work. You have a bit of a, a mental health crisis or depression, you'll struggle to get to work. It's no different, you know. So I, I think that's the ultimate goal. But it is there is money needed, and I'm I'm not going to shy away from that because there isn't enough money put into the NHS for mental health support. You know, it it accounts for around seven percent of NHS funding, and if you think about the forty percent that's spent on physical health, you can see that there's a huge difference. I uh, I think the other thing is. And again, I, I, it feels like I'm really singing your praises tonight. So I'm going to go there again. Just <laughs> no, no, once no, more. bring it on, bring it on. I, I really, on, I really let just, want. Let's just brace ourselves, Andy. Come on, one more time, one more time. I, I really want that bottle of water that Tommy's holding back. So I, that's, <laughs> See, that, that's, 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 that's there. It is. It's it's yours. Low maintenance. What a, gr- what a great date he would be. Oh, just, anyway, carry on. Um, I suppose for me, it's things like this, and I guess it's what we would call at work peer support. You know, there's enough people out there that are so passionate about these things, like you, like me, you know, like many people out there that have either suffered or have loved ones that suffer that want to help other people. And I think one of the things that that we can do as an organisation, but other people can do, is set up support groups. One of, one of the things that Rethink does is, is provide support for peers to set up groups in their local communities. Now, that can be around employment advice, it can be around benefits, or it could be about a drop-in session once a week for people who are, are having problems. And for me, I think to, to kind of engage with people in their local areas, and, and it is about volunteering to an extent, but I think for people to, to reach out to other people that are in the same situation, and I think, you know, things like that, this are, are exactly what, what are needed, but whether that be little groups in a, in a town hall from people who have all had some problems or carers of people whose, you know, mums and dads are... Uh, 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 perhaps in hospital or sons and daughters are in a hospital receiving mental health treatment. I think that's that's the ultimate goal for me. I think we can't rely on the state to provide all of these things. They have an obligation, and let's face it, there is an obligation. They're there to serve the people, and I think 
at the minute they're not serving a huge part of the population. But I think it's also on all of us to to reach out and to share these stories because sometimes it's just the fact that you don't want to acknowledge it. And I think mm. the minute you acknowledge it, the minute you talk about it, the minute it becomes manageable and more easy and you realise you're not alone. You're not the mm. only one stuck in your room not wanting to leave the house or why am I feeling this badly? This is awful. Jesus Christ, am I the only one? The more we can do that, it's a snowball effect, the more. Exactly, yeah. The, the more you can do on a on a micro level, we can imagine every community has got people doing these things on a micro level. Suddenly society becomes a better place, doesn't it? You know, it's like people really despair about, you know, oh, Brexit, Trump, global warming, blood, you know. But if you can do things like, you know, start with your own world and if you can start doing stuff then then you know that is the difference that you could definitely a hundred percent can make mm. is 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 you know trying to improve your world and improve other people's world and try and be positive yeah i, I, I don't know whether you remember this andy but i, I what struck me a, a few years ago was that I, I remember when i was suffering and kind of told a couple of friends for the first time you know this is what i'm going through this is what i'm struggling with and and people will know me know that I don't mind chatting. You know, I, I'm a bit of a talker, I'm a bit of a sharer. Some would say oversharer, but you know, I, I, I disagree, obviously. But I remember acknowledging it for the first time with friends and it opened the door for literally half of the people I spoke to went, oh my God, I've, had this, I've been in therapy, I'm on medication. 50% of all of my friends suddenly went, oh my God, this is, I've had the same. And it just literally it's opened amazing, the door. It's amazing, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. It was, it was, it was a massive moment for me from a very personal point of view because it made it easier for me to say, do you know what? I can't come out tonight because I feel shit. Yeah. Or right. I'm in a really bad place. I just don't want to talk to anyone. That was suddenly became all right. Yeah. And it was all right for my friends to say it back or my friends to check in and go, how are you feeling? You all right? And for me to do the same. And, you know, we've done the same with each other, yeah. haven't we? You know, just, yeah. to, just a text, a call every now and then to say, you're all right, what's going on, how are you feeling? What and it's all right feeling. to say, What no. a feeling it is, isn't it? What yeah. a feeling. It, it was, and, and as Andy said, I, I think it, it opens up your friendship groups and your society to, to be more upfront, you know, to be, to be honest about what you're feeling. And that's all right, you know, we're not all in a good place all the time. And some people just call that a bad day. Others have it much worse and it's anxiety or it's depression. And I think, it can be quite subjective, but at the same time, it doesn't matter whether it's just I'm having a bad day or whether you call it depression. The truth is it's all right to have a shit day. Yeah. It's all right to feel bad. And actually, the more we open up and talk about it, the easier it gets for everyone else to do the same. And in turn, that equally puts pressure back on the government to go, wow, this is a, this is a huge problem that we need to address. Because yeah. if we don't, People it's going to have a huge impact on everything, you know, people's ability to work, to form friendships, relationships, et cetera, et cetera. So, amen, amen is all I can say to that. And, and, and um, if people, because we're coming near to, to, to the, the end of the podcast, um, if, if people wanted to get involved uh, with, with, with Rethink and that sort of thing, how, how can they do that? I suppose there's a number of ways. I mean, you know, we, we offer support for people to set up groups themselves. So if you want, if you think that there's something that you want to do locally, we can support that through our, our group development work. You can sign up for the petitions in terms of lobbying the government around the Mental Health Act review. Um, I think 
if you need support out there, and I, I kind of want to make a point of reaching out to people who are perhaps struggling, it's to contact the advice line to get help about what you can do practically, but whether there's any support available in your area. And that's not just from our point of view, what we offer. This is about, well, what's available in your area that may be provided by other organisations or groups. Um, do you know the number? Have you memorised that? Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I am losing my job. Oh, no, no, no. Well, listen, Jeez. listen. We will, we will definitely put a link to it on, <laughs> yes. our, on, our, on the Man Up. We would, we will do yeah. Instagram page and social <laughs> media. I've, I've gone far too casual. Haven't I, I? I said, we, to we've him, got your back. Don't worry, mate. We've got <laughs> you. I said to him before. Oh, so you need to write down any stats. He goes, no, they're all in there. He <laughs> yeah. was confident as well. I brought into it. I believed you. <laughs> Sorry, full of it, full of it, mate, full of it. <laughs> Sorry. So we had the helpline. Any, anything else? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the group membership. If you want to set up groups out there, if you want to be part of the organisation, become a member. And there's a couple of membership offers, you know, it's £6 a year just for kind of email, electronic updates, or £26 a year for full membership. And that gives you the chance to influence what we're doing as an organisation, to come along to our members' groups and members' days. And, and I guess be part of an organisation that wants to offer more, but also campaign to do more and to make sure that the government does more. And I think for anyone who's, who's kind of suffering out there, or who has suffered or has, knows people that are in a position, if that's something you want to get involved in and you're passionate about it, then, yeah, we'd more than welcome that kind of offer. Do it. Do it. Do it. I know I want for my next MP. Yeah, he'd be good. He's not not good, with this accent. He? I think I'd he struggle being an MP in London with my ridiculous accent, but we'll see. <laughs> Um, so uh, I, I think that's coming. We're coming. We've come to the end. I, there is one more thing that I'd like us, like us to do. Anything else? That's <coughs> oh, that's, any no, burning no, listen, issues? I'm just ready for your exercise. I'm ready for the. So 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 every every, every now and again, I like to uh, you know because I like to give people a bit of a, a toolkit to go on and try things out and 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 help improve themselves. So um so I was reading a um and we can all join in on this. Do you mind joining in on this? Uh, well. I, I should probably know what you're going to ask me to join in on. I don't know what these exercises involve. I well, haven't bought my Lycra, but... Oh, it's group, it's group, group sex. Okay. Ah, oh, right, yeah. No, no. Um, no. <laughs> <laughs> we, we had a little applause in the background there. No. <laughs> no, so I was reading, I was reading uh, a book on creativity by um, Questlove. So you know Questlove from The Roots? We the, do. The, mm -hmm. the drummer from The Roots. Old Afro Man. Yeah, he's a great yep. writer. He's written on food. He's had a few books out. And he mentioned about a very stressful time when um, they were about to go on stage and they were putting on this big gig um, in New York, in a park in New York. And um, D'Angelo was late and he, he was meant to come on and the crowd were all waiting. And this uh, bloke came up to him and said, look, D'Angelo's not going to be there and apparently so Questlove just he, he just froze and he just like oh my god what am I going to do and what he did uh and the way he got out of it was he did this thing called a micro meditation I don't know if you've heard of this have you heard of a micro meditation no. so so meditation med obviously we, we all know the benefits of meditation it takes you know you can do it for an hour you can do it for 10 minutes you can do it for five minutes but you can actually do meditations in about 20 or 30 seconds mm -hmm. so if you're if you've got a really go on are you going to make us be silent for 20 seconds? That might not be great podcast it, material. It, it, no, okay. <laughs> okay. Okay. Yeah. Having said, yeah, yeah. You, you make a very good point. Okay. So what I'll do is, what I'll do is I'll just talk you through the process. Yeah. Yeah. So, so imagine, imagine the silence is there and not just me talking in your brain. But so basically all it is, is 
So you stressful situation. Uh, so you're not going to be able to physically say say if there's like I don't know uh, you know, you've just uh, had a had a little accident not in your trousers. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> sorry. <laughs> you read it, you read it, well, okay. Does yeah. meditating help now? I, I didn't realise. <laughs> so, 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 so if you had a little accident uh, with, with someone like on, on a bike or someone's, your boss has really had a go at you and, and, and you're feeling really stressed. So rather than actually physically take a step back, just do the typical thing of, of and even you don't even need to close your eyes, just taking that big, deep breath, that big, deep breath, a couple of, only a couple of deep breaths. And then just physically, um, not sorry, not physically, mentally, just taking one step back from it and just looking at the situation. Just literally, not even, but not judging it, not not analysing it, saying, oh, this is stressful, I need to sort it out. Just, just take a step back in your head and look at the situation, look at what's happening, just observe it while you're breathing. And it can go on for a, a, a minute, it can go on for 10 seconds, go on for 20 seconds, and then just bring yourself back in. And just that tiny little moment, that tiny little cut really works. So, so that is something, that's micro meditation. Yeah, actually, even with your like, commentary, I sort of, I, I, was, I was following your voice and I actually yeah. just felt like, yeah. And you did it, yeah. Back in the room. So there you go, listen, there's something for you to try. How do I, you... I, it, it's, it's just reminded me actually of, of and I know it sounds ridiculous, but the importance of breathing. And I, and I think, one of the things that that's still helps me on a day-to-day basis is yoga. And yeah. one of the greatest things about yoga for me is that you you realise how you've forgotten to actually breathe properly. And I think that that micro-meditation bit for me is really, really tangible because often if I'm getting stressed at work and I could feel myself, you know, as, as Tommy said about the, the mental health first aid training, the signs, I know what my triggers are. I know, and actually just stopping and breathing and focusing on your breathing and nothing else is a massive tip. And I think that, yeah. that helps me on a, a daily, weekly basis. Definitely, definitely. Uh, sounds so simple, but breathe. It's, you, yeah. We all think we're breathing, but actually you realise... It, well, it's very important, yeah. And it's what we've all got, you know. And it, yeah. It's breath. what our disposal is like. <laughs> yeah, we've got... Breath. Some of us breath. have got bad breath. Some better than others. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, on that note, okay, so, so I think... That's the end of the podcast. So thank you very much for coming along, Richard. And good luck in all the rest of your lobbying. And you've got some stuff coming up, haven't you? You've got the, uh, the lobbying thing with the NHS coming up as well. You did mention that, didn't you, earlier yeah. on? So I haven't forgot. Yeah, the, forgot the NHS long-term plan is out there already. So, yeah, take yeah. a look. It's, it's a commitment from the NHS to invest more resources and actually to provide more support for people so they don't end up in hospital. I, I think that's one of the drivers to stop people having to go to hospital. So the support in between CBT and that being that severe that you need hospital treatment. So yeah, that's um that that's out there now. So yeah, well take needed. a look. Well yeah. needed and and let's let's hope and pray that that, that comes into action. It's okay. coming. It can't not happen. I think, you know, we're in good hands. We're in good hands. Okay, well stay in touch everyone. Uh you know, comment, subscribe, all that sort of malarkey and uh, we'll speak to you next time. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye bye.